0: Hello, and welcome to the Voices of Vision Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Lee Nasahi, and today we'll be speaking with Sarah Brown, Director of Government Affairs for Prevent Blindness. Sarah, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Lee. Thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, very excited to be here today.
0: Great. So, how was your weekend?
1: The weekend was good. Um, you know, I'm definitely getting my family used to video conferencing and, um, and you know, we're testing all sorts of platforms to try to be together. My family is back in Omaha and uh-huh. I'm here in D.C. So, um, but they're all separated in their homes. And so we're just, we're trying to find some ways to be creative with games and um, just telling each other about what we're doing while we're cooped up at home. And it's really become something I'm lo- I've looked forward to.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah, we We did a lot of Zooming over the weekend with friends and family. And it it was, it was interesting.
1: (laughs) We're all at a different
0: place on that learning curve.
1: It really is. But you know, it's, my parents made the observation that at least it's a great way to get, um, you know, get them used to, uh, you know, some of these newfangled, you know, technology issues and everything. So they're embracing it, which is good.
0: Oh, that's great. Uh, Well, Sarah, as a relatively new member to Vision Serve Alliance, and one with whom I suspect many of our members are less familiar, I I was hoping you'd share an overview, brief overview of Prevent Blindness's mission and your current strategies.
1: Absolutely. Um, So Prevent Blindness has uh, quite a long history in vision and eye health issues. Um, We've actually been around since about 1908, which the world looked vastly different at that time. But everybody still needed their eyesight, Um, and our founding purpose was to eliminate a leading cause of infant blindness by administering eye drops to infants at birth. And that practice is actually still employed today, although I think the drops have uh, changed somewhat. Mm -hmm. Um, But over the years, our purpose has gone uh, significantly um, in several directions. Uh, So we've been promoting early detection and intervention for children who are entering preschool to make sure that they can see the board, that they can participate in athletics, um, that they can be comfortable with uh, their social and emotional development, Um, and we continue to do that work today. We've also been very involved um, over the years in advancing industrial eye safety standards, and we've been uh, leading on efforts in Congress to establish the National Eye Institute, which is, I believe, in its 51st year, which is great. That's at the National Institutes of Health. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also had a very key role in establishing the Vision Health Initiative at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Um, and to this day, we're very fiercely defensive of that program, and we continue to make sure that members of Congress uh, know of the importance that that particular program has for vision and eye health.
0: Um, so,
1: so, yeah, definitely. Um, and today, we we really continue to be uh, a patient advocacy organization. Uh, which really means that we support patients and their personal communities, whether that includes caregivers, family, their personal medical providers. Uh, we really try to promote systems of healthcare care that include vision and eye health as part of overall healthcare care and overall health and well-being. So to accomplish that work, we work with partners in ophthalmology, optometry, research, public health, Pediatrics, aging health, and of course, rehabilitative professionals, as well as many others, to help achieve our mission of preventing blindness and preserving sight.
0: Well, that's awesome, and it's it's just so important and um, beneficial to have prevent blindness as a member of the vision serve Alliance community. So, so glad you're one of our new partners. Thank you. So, um, this month is is a very different than two months ago. Uh, how has COVID-19, or has it, impacted the focus of Prevent Blindness's work?
1: Uh, It definitely has. Um, I know vision and eye health seem a little bit downstream of um, an infectious disease right now, but there definitely is a major impact that this pandemic has had on our work, as well as uh, patients who live with vision loss and eye disease. Um, So like everybody in healthcare right now, we at Prevent Blindness are really having to rethink how to protect patients how to protect providers, and how to protect the healthcare community um, at large from this disease. You all have likely heard that the advice is uh, not to touch your face as a matter of prevention. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, given that your eyes are on your face and that the virus can be transmitted through uh, contact with the eyes, um, our focus has really been reminding the public that proper hand-washing hygiene before placing or removing your contact lenses. Oh, boy, yeah. During eye drops, uh, definitely a big um, issue. Um, avoid having to rub or touch your eyes if possible and really encouraging people to wear glasses, um, are all ways to help avoid, uh, contact with the virus and Mm -hmm. practices that should be followed right now. And I know it's hard. Um, I'm actually a contact lens wearer myself and, um, you know, even though I work at prevent blindness, some of these things had to be made known to me as well, because I am still a care consumer.
0: Yeah. Well, Um. it's good advice.
1: Absolutely. But we did also just um, issue guidance from the CDC, and we tend to follow their guidance, um, especially right now as we're all trying to get information and um, manage our protection uh, from this virus. Uh, but the CDC just issued guidance on contact lens use during the pandemic, and that's available on the Prevent Blindness website. Mm-hmm. Um, we do also have to be mindful that people who live with vision loss or eye disease and need ongoing care and treatment are really facing challenges with how to seek care right now. Um, we're all trying to practice social distancing, but when you have to go to a doctor's office, um, that can really present a challenge with how to stay safe uh, you know, and protect yourself uh, from the provider's perspective as well as the patient's perspective. Uh, so to help patients make those decisions, prevent blindness issued guidance to patients on how to work with their providers to ensure that they can still receive their eye care uh, treatment um, in a safe manner. And so we hope that they'll follow our advice there.
0: That's terrific. Um,
1: Absolutely. We're also trying to stay up to date on conversations on the lack of personal protective equipment or PPE uh, Mm -hmm. for first-line providers. That's definitely something that catches the news quite a bit. Um, That does actually include protective eye equipment. So. Um, in those scenarios, we follow the guidance of the CDC for first-line providers um, with their eye care equipment. But we're mindful that providers could also become patients if they're not adequately protected while treating those with COVID-19.
0: Oh, gosh, yeah, it's a lot of lot of new things for us to to have to consider and incorporate in the in the way we make our way through the through the world these days. Absolutely. And so, specific to your role at Prevent Blindness, how do you see um, advocacy and and you know the the campaigns that we pursue to ensure good public policy changing in this new normal?
1: Absolutely. Well, I, I am a little bit disappointed. Um, that this is well that is happening at all but uh, 2020 is you know supposed to be the year of vision and um, you know it's unfortunate timing that that had to um, yeah had to come up that way. We were really looking forward to this year but you know it's you know the year's not over. but in terms of advocacy, um, you know what you're actually doing and um, how to do your work, it's definitely um, a new way of thinking um, and how to, remain effective and how to remain vocal with policymakers as well as our partners in the policy community. Uh, so right now Congress is actually out of session formally uh, for mm-hmm. the foreseeable future. They're not here in DC for the most part. Um, they're scattered across the country and I know from having listened to a couple of them talk about their new normal, you know they're usually um, when they're at home in their districts or in their states, they're uh, working with constituents at events and holding town hall meetings. And that for them has also changed. So everybody is literally having to think of how do we stay engaged on the issues that are happening even as we're dealing with this major um, issue. And it's, it's definitely very new, but having to stay flexible is very important. Um, but in terms of the congressional agenda, everything that's not COVID-19 related um, is essentially on hold right now. Um, Mm -hmm. there's still work that's happening on issues that are considered to be evergreen to Congress um, which includes appropriations and spending bills for the next fiscal year Um, Congress needs to pass spending bills by September 30th to avoid a federal government shutdown and that needs to happen whether we're in a pandemic or not Um, looking at how that work is going to evolve I think my prediction is that a continuing resolution will need to be extended Um, to keep funding going probably through the next year because, you know, as a reminder, we also have a presidential election in November. So that could really uh, change the ballgame for a lot of those policies. Um, But also right now during the spring, um, you know, in a typical uh, environment, Congress is working together in their committees, they're hosting hearings and markups. Uh, They're really working together to try to write these bills. But now that everybody is, um, you know, across the country and teleworking right now, Um, It's really changed how they can actually accomplish their work. Um, So and I'm not actually sure if they're going to be able to um, host hearings or markups or committee meetings or anything of that nature a teleworking environments. I'm kind of curious to see if they can pull that off.
0: Oh, yeah, me too. I mean, it sounds like the perfect storm, all the things that need to happen Mm -hmm. on their watch this year. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. But, you know, I assure you that we're still working and uh, we're still looking for opportunities to promote some of our legislative work and um, our advocacy. And in fact, tomorrow I've got a phone call with um, the Senate appropriators. So oh, yeah, the work continues. It feels a little bit odd to conduct business as usual while we're all, you know, nervous about this, this environment. But, um, you know, we still need to keep the show going as best as we can.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so to that point, what are the specific issues you're advocating for at prevent blindness?
1: Sure, so right now um, we continue to have appropriations for fiscal year 2021 as our bread and butter issue. So that includes ensuring that the CDC and the two programs at the CDC that focus on vision and eye health um, are funded fully um, for 2021. Um, We asked for $5 million for the vision and eye health program which conducts a lot of public health surveillance, research and community interventions Uh, We asked Congress to fund that at $5 million for this year. Um, And we've also asked Congress to maintain funding for the glaucoma program, which is at $4 million. And that Mm -hmm. particular program conducts a lot of service delivery models um, and community prevention programs for people who are at high risk for glaucoma disease. Um, On the other side, um, for legislative purposes, uh, we are looking to see if there's opportunities to introduce something on Children's Vision to help get that addressed somehow. Um, we're also taking a look at some of the um, options to expand vision into the medicare program i know that that's definitely been a conversation that's picked up a lot of steam and even had some success with the house bill at the end of last year Um, and then there's a couple of other bills that are pending that would seek to do that in some way shape or form so um, so there's quite a bit, and I think that there's some opportunities to, uh, you know, to look at other things like telehealth, especially right now.
0: Oh gosh, um, yeah.
1: Yeah. So we we continue to be mindful of where those opportunities are, and um, you know, right now, at least being April 13th, that could change by May 13th. Um, it seems that those opportunities are all wrapped up with some of the COVID legislation. So we'll see where that goes.
0: Well, all of the issues you mentioned are near and dear to our hearts here at VisionServe. Uh, So many members are thinking through and and dealing with these things. So appreciate your work on that. And we're looking forward to working together. And that's a nice segue into one of Prevent Blindness's strategies, if you will, in the past and and continues to this day is the Congressional Vision Caucus um, what was hoping you'd explain to our listeners a, a little bit about that and how Vision Serve Alliance members might help strengthen that caucus.
1: Absolutely. Um, I'm really glad that you asked about the Congressional Vision Caucus. Um, that actually for one of my personal goals here in this role is to continue expanding membership and try to make that as effective as possible, um, which some political science, scientists might say that. Uh, caucuses on the congressional side are not very effective or they're a little scattered, but um, that's a conversation for another day. Um, So the Congressional Vision Caucus uh, was actually started in 2004 and Prevent Blindness had a major role in getting that off the ground. Um, And to this day, we continue to be essentially the steward of that group, which really just means that we're in contact with our co-chairs on bringing members into the caucus. If there's anything that we need from the caucus, uh, we usually uh, talk to the staff members of our co-chairs to make things like that happen. Um, But I know that other vision groups definitely rely on those members and those relationships to advance whatever priorities that they have, as they should. Um, But recruiting members um, is definitely something that I'd love to have the larger vision community um, take a stronger role in, especially because we like to think that vision and eye health um, is a bipartisan issue. And I have yet to meet a member of Congress who says that they think that somebody should not be able to see um, or that they shouldn't receive the eye care treatment that they need to be able That's to right. um, move about their daily lives. Um, so the caucus itself is bicameral. It means that its uh, members are in both the House and the Senate. We've got mm-hmm. about six or seven members who are in the Senate and the rest of them are largely um, in the House. That Follows the tradition of um, congressional caucuses. <clears throat> it's also bipartisan, uh, right. and that's a value that we hold um, in great, of great importance, especially right now. Yeah. Um, we do like to have our members work together on things and advance good policy. Um, the caucus itself on that point is nonpartisan. Um, that means that members don't endorse or oppose policy as a caucus. Uh, rather, the members are there to serve as potential champions of issues that have to do with vision and eye health. If there's a group that wants to advance a bill that you know might direct more research funding to the National Eye Institute, for example, um, if they want to do the same thing that we are with the CDC and try to increase funding on that side of things. Uh, members are there to be a resource and to hopefully be a champion of some of that work uh, for the greater good of vision and eye health. Um, So currently, the caucus is co-chaired by three absolutely effective and engaged members. They're just fantastic. So we have two Republicans. We have Steve Stivers of Ohio and Gus Bilirakis of Florida. And on the Democratic side, we have David Price of North Carolina, and we continue to look for a second Democrat um, to take the co-chair spot alongside Mr. Price. Um, And we've asked several members. Um, It's definitely, you know, something I hope to accomplish by the end of this year. um, But we might also have to wait until the 117th Congress takes uh, effect in January of next year. Um, So right now our membership is around 60 members. Um, We've seen some members drop off um, as elections have happened um, or as they've moved out of Congress for whatever reasons, such as taking a role with the administration or whatever other reasons that they might have. Um, And all of these members uh, come from states where Prevent Blindness has affiliate chapters. um, And Prevent Blindness itself has around six or seven um, affiliate chapters in Mm Iowa, North Carolina, Ohio, Illinois, Georgia, North Carolina, and Massachusetts. Um, so really that bringing that constituent connection and asking a member of co- uh, Congress to join a caucus that um, the constituent finds very valuable is definitely something that we could certainly use more help with. And I think that this is where VisionServe Alliance and its membership could really help us uh, create a strong, robust, and fully engaged Vision Caucus. Um, so one thing that I'd love to see your members uh, do and that we, you know, continue to um, promote is to, you know, when you're meeting with a member of Congress um, about vision issues, you know, just at the end of the conversation, just take a minute to say we have a Congressional Vision Caucus that many of your colleagues are members of. Um, we'd love to have you join the caucus um, and really stand behind vision and eye health. That's an issue. Um, I think some staff members want to know what the workload is going to be, and um, we're always looking at ways to engage them more on policy issues. Uh, but the vision caucus itself is mostly, um, you know, to to help identify who in Congress uh, thinks that vision um, can is a is a worthwhile policy to promote and really enhance the role of vision and eye health into healthcare conversations. So. Um, would love to see members uh, take that on and help us really create um, a good group of members of Congress who want to create good vision and eye health policy.
0: That's awesome. Well, um, as you know, Vision Serve Alliance has a new public policy committee
1: mm-hmm.
0: and Paul Schrader uh, works with Vision Serve Alliance as our senior policy advocate. And we have another meeting coming up soon and I, I would love for you and Paul to talk about how to you know, make, make this into an action item for the for the policy committee. I know they would love to mobilize members across the country to help with that effort.
1: Absolutely. Um, and Paul and I have already uh, spoken and I'm Great. glad he, you know, this is, he was the one that helped uh, make this podcast happen. So Awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. So I'd <laughs> love to continue to talk about, you know, how to grow the membership and to really make sure that your members feel comfortable making this request. Um But if anybody does have have interest in finding out who is currently on the caucus and um, if they represent your state or district, um, it's all information that you can find on the prevent blindness website.
0: Which is?
1: Which is www.preventblindness.org. And if you click on the advocacy list, there is a list of the congressional vision caucus members available there.
0: Terrific. Well, thank you very much, Sarah. This has been an awesome conversation VisionServe and and all its members are very excited to be working with Prevent Blindness. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much, Lee. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: So this is Lee Nossahy talking with Sarah Brown, Director of Government Affairs at Prevent Blindness. Learn more about their services and how you can get involved by visiting their website at www.preventblindness.org. Thank you all for tuning in. And as always, remember to be mission-driven, work hard, and make a real impact. Until next time, this is the Voices of Vision Leaders podcast.